Hi, I'm Jen. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, thank you, Eric, for asking me to, to share. Um, I really don't want to, but of course, uh, whenever asked uh, to do anything for AA, I try to say yes. I can think of two times I've said no. One time was... Um, Someone asked me to be on the Living Sober musical, so I was like, no, uh, because I, I didn't want to do that. And then another time, um, someone asked me, and I was, like, doing Weight Watchers or something. So anyway, I, I still think about that sometimes. But anyway, I try to always say yes. And, um, yeah, even though I feel sick to my stomach and don't want to be up here, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very honored. And, and thanks for uh, including me in the celebration. That was super fun upstairs. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like... Um, Obviously, I qualify to be a person of color in AA, but um, <clears throat> that I, I I I wish it were more of a focus for me. Uh, I remember coming to Living Sober uh, when I was newly sober, and like this meeting would always be like the loudest and most fun, um, and like there it would be like a real celebration and exciting time, like when people were celebrating their years, and um, and I haven't been here in, uh, too much the last several years. Um, but I, I have a, a lot of great memories from, like, being at Bill Graham uh, and, like, having, like, the just, like, the old-timers who are still here. Like, a lot of them are a lot of uh, are here, and it's, like, such a comfort. And, like, maybe I'll be that old person, old, old-timer old person someday. Um, I've gotten old in sobriety. Like, I guess one day at a time, like, life just happens. Um, and uh, I, I, I got sober August 14th, 2002, and... Um, so I just had like a birthday and it's just like one day at a time. Like I really just try to do it just for today. Uh, I think when I got sober, I was like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to, um, live the rest of my life? Like not drinking or like not celebrating or whatever. But, um, honestly, like I had to let go of all of that and realize that like, it's just for today. And in fact, like sometimes it can be like just for the morning, like I'm not going to drink or do anything like self harming or whatever. Um, so anyway, I just uh, want to make this real quick. But um, yeah, so I got sober August 14th, 2002. And before that, uh, I started drinking when I was 14. And um, my parents had adopted me from South Korea when I was three three months old. So I came in to the United States in 1976. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and um, like I grew up in this really uh, white community with white parents and my brother who my uh, folks had had like four years before me. And so I just like really assimilated into that community. And um, yeah, I just like didn't really um, identify with anything other than um, my family and like the people around me. And it wasn't until I got sober in AA that I like realized like that's actually not who I am. Like it, it was uh, getting sober like in AA where I realized like who I was. I think I just kind of like I just was never around people. Uh, I was like it was like I was treated different ways um, um, as a youth, like in that community, like um, where it was like kind of scary. And I was like, I don't know why these people are like being mean to me because of like what I look like, but okay. And like, I just kind of went with it. Um, but um, yeah, for the most part, I just like um, lived my life, but I was pretty uncomfortable when I was like a teenager. My parents had gotten divorced when I was um, 10 and between 10 and 14, I was really unhappy and so by the time I started drinking, it was like a real good cure for me. And, um, oh, I forgot my phone, but I was going to read something and I, I forgot it and it's over there. But, um, so I just went to the Icky Paw convention in Boston, which is the young people's convention. And, um, the, I was going to read like what their topic was or what their, um, phrase was, uh, the, the theme of their convention. And it was entire psychic change. So I was going to read that part. But 
Uh, I just want to say, like, I've had an entire psychic change as a result of being an Alcoholics Anonymous, working the steps, having a sponsor, uh, just being, I think what's been really important for me is to be um, seen and be visible in AA and, like, uh, not, like, sit back and um, and not participate because I feel like if I do that, it would be really easy for me to, like, um, disappear and, like, not be noticed. And I think being noticed and out there, like, it it uh, it gives me, like, connection with people. And I think that God, of my understanding, often shows up in uh, people and friends, just, like, being in the city and, like, bumping into somebody from the program. And um, so I think that um, having been... Uh, really vulnerable when I got sober, like super angry and like sad and depressed. Um, I just like had no clue who I was. And when I got to AA, like people, like no matter who they were, they just really welcomed me. They just like wanted me to be sober. Like no one wanted anything from me other than to like be happy, joyous and free and to like not be in this miserable pain that I was in when I came in, uh, came in with. And so, um, There was an instance, like, my first, like, probably six months of sobriety where this guy at my home group that was speaking from the podium said something, like, really insensitive and racist. (laughs) Like, I I just, like, I went home because I lived right around the corner from the meeting, and I, like, screamed. I was so angry. And it was, like, years of this pent-up, like, uh, like, kind of not, like, noticing who I was in the world and whatever. So I go back to the meeting, and I was, like, screaming. Like, I I was, like, like, put my hand up, like, and so I just, like, raged in the meeting like I couldn't believe it like I just kind of took out all my life aggression on this one guy but also like it was awesome like no, like I think people were like some people were like oh my god stay away from her because she's like a hot mess but um I just like it was like that was a really a uh, big turning point for me because I think like um I just finally like felt all these feelings I hadn't like wanted to Express or I didn't know what to do with for for a long time, and so just that the uh, moment where like no one was like you have to leave, like you're like not welcome here, like no one said anything like that. They were just like keep coming back, you know. Um, and so and but that like that allowed me to like I can feel angry and like feel like I can like bring whatever I want to AA, and like no one's going to say like you you're you don't you're uh, you don't belong here or whatever. So. I found that this is like the place that I do belong. Uh, I feel like I identify as an alcoholic before anything else. And then, um, like being a homosexual and like being, uh, being Korean and like, um, it's like I don't really identify with my Korean side too much. Like to be honest with you, I, I, um, it was like, um, weird to kind of grow up in that way, like where I wasn't exposed to the culture at all. And then like coming to San Francisco where I, was like surrounded by um, more people of color and like Asians especially and like um I recently like I'll just talk about these last two things um I recently did 23 and me like a year and a half ago not because I wanted to find like uh, biological relatives it really wasn't on my mind but I wanted to see like I was like maybe my dad was like a white guy in the Korean war I don't know like let's find out so I did the um 23 and me and I did the uh, like the the results are kind of strange but then later they change as more people sign up so it uh eventually um someone like my biological first cousin contacted me and um that was like a total trip in sobriety to be like contacted and um I don't know that's still like out there I met I actually met with her and 
she's since emailed me and I, I just have like not responded because like it's a lot to take on. So I just like, but I, I can like do that and go through with like the process as I feel like is appropriate or whatever. And so that happened, um, which has been interesting in sobriety. And then also like I wanted to have a biological child uh, and I tried to get pregnant for a really long time. I had like lots of surgeries and like did IVF and like it didn't work out. Like um, there were just like not plans for me to like carry a child in, in my life. And that was like really upsetting and frustrating. And um, and I just like went with it, um, you know, and AA just like was like, OK, that's life on life, life's terms. So. I, my wife and I did actually have a kid and I've stayed home with her and that's like um, a whole like thing about powerlessness right there is like caring for another ch- person that's like your kid it's really s- scary and um, painful but really awesome and, and exciting so I have to stop talking I didn't think I'd go on that long but thanks so much for, for hearing me. And uh, we are going to have very short shares from the speakers, by the way, and the reason because we want to open up the floor for people to share um, within the, the meeting. So um, here comes speaker number two. And uh, I have a special relationship with this, this fella. Um, I've known him for much of his sobriety. And at one point, he was my roommate. And the thing that I love about him is that I've actually got to watch him grow up. And that's the benefit of sticking around the program for a long time, is you watch people evolve into these people that they were supposed to be. And I've witnessed his journey. It's been beautiful. And I'm really looking forward to hearing him. Please welcome my friend, Angel. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Angel Lorenzo, and I'm an alcoholic and a grateful member of Al-Anon. Um, gosh, um, I'm a little nervous, so I'm just going to let it flow. Um, I was asked, um, and thank you, thank you for everyone that organized uh, both the little meetup and, 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 and this particular meeting. Um, the people of color community has always been so embracing uh, and um, one of my home groups is the People of Color meeting in Oakland whenever I'm in town because, you know, I'll, as I'll share in a little bit, I, I, I've gotten to spread my wings and, and travel travel a lot. Um, the topic that uh, I was told to speak on was uh, the gifts of sobriety. And... You know, and, and I share this a lot in meetings is that the biggest gift for me is, uh, just being alive. You know, I never thought I'd make it past 30. You know, and, uh, this summer I celebrated 47 years of, uh, you know, I'm 47. You know, and, um, and I say that because the reality of my, uh, family and the disease in my family is that we die very young. And we die very quickly. Uh, and this disease just takes us out. Um, you know, like there's no tomorrow. But before I go on, I would like to acknowledge, uh, the land that we, that we're on and the Ohlone people, uh, whose, uh, home this was before most of our homes. Um, I would also like to acknowledge, uh, my people, the Zapotec or Benza people. Uh, of the state of Oaxaca, and this beautiful shirt is from Oaxaca. Um, and 
um, and also the, our ancestors from um, from Bill and Bob to Lewis and Anne who set the ground and all the uh, people of color, you know, that came after uh, to allow us to be in this, these spaces. Um, the gifts of sobriety have manifested themselves in so many different ways for, for me in, in, in my in my journey and the people around me. Um, I was sharing with a friend at a ceremony once that I am no longer in survival mode. You know, uh, for the longest time, ever since I can remember, uh, it was what's going to happen next, you know, who's going to leave next, who, what, you know, who's going to call the police, uh, what fight is going to break out, you know, uh, are we going to sleep, where are we going to sleep, you know, are we going to, you know, what's going to happen. Um, and uh, over the years, uh, as I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and then eventually into Al-Anon, um, the peace of mind, the serenity, um, the peace, um, just, you know, freaked the shit out of me, first of all, because that was never the, you know, that was not normal. Normal was the other. Um, but when it came and it happened, it was so amazing, and it has been such an amazing journey. Um, in, my, in the tradition, in my tradition that I practice in the spiritual um, practice that I get to, to connect with and to deepen on a daily basis, um, we honor directions. And uh, I'm going to talk about two of them, you know, and then I'll, I'll close with... Um, with uh, the, all the directions and, and what they mean to me in my life. So I'll start with the direction of the north. In the north, we honor our ancestors. We honor those that came before us, whether or not, you know, um, in whatever struggle that they came in. Um, um, and it's also a place of transitions. So in these last 15 years, there's been a lot of transitions. When I first came in, my, my mother passed away from this disease. Um, then one of my brothers passed away from cancer. And then two years ago, another of my brothers passed away from this disease. Um, so loss is very familiar to me. Um, and how I used to deal with loss was to go on self-destruct uh, and, and to get lost and try uh, not to feel. And, uh, and the gift of sobriety has been able to, uh, to show up, you know, to feel the feelings, to, uh, face the hurt, uh, and, and, and to, to keep moving, um, to cry as much as I need to cry and, but not to stay stuck there and, and continue showing up for myself and for others. Uh, just, uh, Two days ago, I came back from Los Angeles. I had some work meetings down there. And uh, I found out two of my other friends um, in these last 10 years passed away uh, from these disease. Um, and so there's been a lot of transition. Um, it just, it's a reminder. It's a, a constant reminder for me that, that, um, that I want to stay. You know, that for a long time I didn't want to stay, that I, I, I wanted to, you know, just 
and all this pain and and all this hurt and you know but now um now I get to do something different and 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 continue trudging on I also want to acknowledge the direction of the west uh I'm sorry yes the direction of the east I'm sorry the direction of the east is where we honor the new beginnings and new arrivals uh, and so the gifts of the east have been plenty um, in my in my in my years yeah, in the rooms um, I, you know I, I hear a lot sometimes all the bells and whistles that you know folks are anticipating and, and that's great um, but you know it it it, they just happen. It doesn't, you know, uh, my experience has been that bef- even when you're not looking for them, they just show up. Um, so the new arrivals in the East have been my partner. He's been around for nine years, the longest. It's a long-distance relationship. That's a type of a relationship that works for me because I think otherwise we'd kill each other or I'd kill him or I'd be, you know, uh, you know, I would really need my Al-Anon to, to provide, to help me in that, in, in that journey. You know, I have a new friend, you know, I'm, I'm opening up my relationship and, you know, uh, Xochitl is in my life now and, you know, and it's been wonderful. You know, it's been different, uh, but it's been wonderful to be in relationship to someone else. Um, I have three grandnephews. Uh, Rene, Esteban, and Elias. I have two families that I've, uh, kind of adopted after two of my brothers passed away. And they, um, they love me. And they accept me unconditionally. Um, I've been able to finish a master's. And two years ago, I finished a doctorate in medicine. I'm reintegrating into the Latinx LGBT activist community, into the two-spirit and the danza communities. Um, and this last time uh, in my visit in Los Angeles, uh, I became an auntie. Um, I know this Latinx gay couple. They adopted two kids, and I've been away for almost 13 years, and so I reconnected to these two Beautiful, beautiful children, and and uh, they're calling me auntie now. And I get to travel for work. Um, I just came back from South Africa to share some knowledge and some joy with amazing activists that are doing amazing work around HIV and human rights uh, uh, throughout Africa. Um, and... I'm alive. You know, that's, 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 that's the gift of sobriety. Um, I want to close with saying that the other two directions that we honor is the West, place where we learn, um, hopefully some learned lessons are there. We honor the South, the place of the children and place where we learned to love. And we honor the sky and the cosmos because we are connected. And we honor Mother Earth, which without, you know, we would not be here. Omatel, uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Angel.
so now it's time to bring up our last speaker. Um, and, you know, one of the things, uh, I joined the POC in 1986 when it was forming. And I've seen a lot of people come and go. And as I've aged in sobriety, one of the things I've noticed is that um, there is a new generation that has come in. And they are fabulous. And they are fierce. And it gives me great comfort to know that our community is thriving. And so I'd like to introduce one of the new generation POC alcoholics. Please welcome Nikki. Hello, everyone. My name is Nikki. I'm an alcoholic. I'm not that young. I'm actually, my, my share is kind of about me going through menopause. So, <laughs> seriously. All right. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Um, so I'm supposed to share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, my experience is I drank a lot. Uh, and my strength is that I surrendered. That's my strength. I surrendered to you and then to my, um, the God of my understanding. And in my hope, I, I realize, I think every day in, um, in working the steps, uh, that's, that's where my hope is. And, um, I did write something because I tend to go over, um, and I don't want to do that. What you do need to know about me, just if you want to know a little bit about me, I'm the seventh child of seven kids. I'm from the Caribbean. And, uh, Belize, uh, anybody from Belize in the house? Didn't think so. Uh, there's a saying in, in Belize and it's, uh, with a happen, half a happen. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's about acceptance, right? It's like, with a happen, half a happen, gal. And, uh, I've learned that again in my, in, in my sobriety. Um, the, uh, coming here today, I was on the way and, and, and there was a track, you know, when the lanes merge and you're not supposed to like go in the lane that's free and clear because it's like a dick move if you keep going. So I kept going and I was going to cut in and there was a guy by the Mercedes, in the Mercedes and I was like, oh, I'm just going to like shout out to him and get cut in, right? And, and I'm looking at him and he's like texting on his phone. And I'm like, cool, I'm just going to cut in when, when the light changes because it's like keep clear kind of thing. So I do that and, uh, the girl in front of me, this, I've never seen this before. The girl in front of me sticks her head out the window. And she's like, give me the stink eye. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that I was interrupting a funeral procession. Like, I didn't know that. But that's my alcoholic thinking. So I started thinking, well, if your man who's behind you, who's trailing you, wasn't on the phone and with his side piece, then maybe he would have. Well, anyway, so it kind of descended into that kind of thing in my mind, and I'm like, you are crazy, and uh, good thing you're going to a meeting right now, uh, and so uh, all these things come in my head, and one of the things that I, 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 I um, realize about myself in going through this program, it's made me a better person, and I tell people that, and that's just so intangible, but it, it actually allows me to be respectful to people and not flash on people as much as I used to. I still do it, but not as much as I used to. So after that little interaction, I looked at her and I was like, and that was like my good alcoholic self, just like making good. And um, and so I got here and I was thinking like, what am I going to talk about? And um, and I had done a share in the shower this morning, but you, it was really good. It was really awesome, but you're not going to hear it. Um, so like getting up in age, menopause, um, you learn that you want to flash more. 
you get, I get angry. And so, um, and, and that, that's the seventh child thing right there. And so I have to speak up. So yesterday I was in, in court and, and the judge who I've appeared in front of, he's retired. He's an old white guy. Race is not an issue, uh, usually, but it is in this context. Um, he's an old white guy and he says, um, he, he cuts me off. He's absolutely disrespectful. I have an intern who's with me and, and after the, the hearing where he's interrupting me, yelling at me, disrespecting me, the intern looked at me. He's, he's a, a, a kid from Stanford and he walked uh, away and he said, I've never wanted to cry so much, um, since the fifth grade. And I said, it'll, it's okay. We're good. So we walked to the elevators and, uh, who comes up but the, but the judge. And he says, uh, he's a retired judge. So he makes per diem. He works per day, per hour, a lot of money, like 400 bucks an hour. It's something crazy. So he comes up and he's like, well, we earned our money today, didn't we? Cause it was like 4.30 and he didn't want to be there. At least that's what my alcoholic thinking is saying and judging him that he didn't want to be there to actually hear me and hear what I had to say about a client who's looking at three terms of life in prison. Um, so, uh, I said, um, I looked down and I said, um, well, judge, uh, I don't think you earned your money here today. And he looked at me and I said, uh, uh, in 24 years, I don't think anybody has spoken to me the way you did in that room. And I said my piece in a very respectful way. And, um, and he, he, he got defensive and then my intern started to engage him. And at that point, I told myself, you can descend into whatever bullshit you want to descend into um, with your power, um, but I'm not going to go there. And what was going through my mind after that hearing is like, he doesn't want to be here. He's racist. He's this. He's that. I'm telling myself stories. I'm wallowing in self-pity. And that's not true. I don't know that to be true. And so uh, the gift in, of this program is when I do an inventory, even if it starts in my head, and I start saying, where am I being dishonest? Where am I being fearful? Where am I self-seeking? All of a sudden, I don't want to flash anymore on people. I don't care to. Um, and, and, it, and it goes back to por- page 417 of, of the big book. You, know, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. And um, it's about when I am disturbed, what that is about. And it really is about me and how I want to control people, places, and things. And the gift of this program is that I've learned uh, to live in acceptance, to surrender, and to realize that I cannot control people, places, and things. I can only take care of what I can take care of. And it's it's simple, but it actually uh, gets me to a place where I'm not that crazy. Because I, as a public defender, um, I, I could tend to be a little crazy. And I have been crazy. And I have been uh, in places... And in situations 
where um, people are like, Nikki, you're crazy. And I, and it's good for me because I feel like, okay, well, this is a fucked up system and somebody needs to be. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I also have to respect myself. I have to respect myself. And in respecting myself, I won't descend into places that I don't need to go to that's going to make me drink again. There's a, a second page to this thing, and I'm going to flip it, and I don't even know what it says. But um, uh, I, I have another story about a gas station, but I won't, um, I won't share it here. But I do want to meet, read that part of the big book um, and just remind you about it. And it says, when I am disturbed, disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Thank you, by the way. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless, sorry, that's my New York accent, sober. Uh, unless I accept life completely on life's term, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. And then it goes on to the Shakespeare quote that I won't uh, mention. I have one minute. So, um, thanks, Pam. Uh, I can go on forever. Uh, I tend to go, go on and on. But I, I, I know there are times when we say we have gratitude and I'm a grateful alcoholic. I'm not grateful to be an alcoholic. I'm grateful that my alcoholism brought me to these, to you to these rooms and to you because you told me, you told me a lot of things that have come true. You told me that I will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it and I will comprehend serenity and I will know peace. And today, not every day, but today <laughs> I can say I know what serenity is like and I know that when I'm not at that place, I know what to do. And a lot of that has to do with just getting on my knees and doing a third step prayer. I've freaked out at least two girlfriends since I've been sober by just in a moment of an argument, running away, getting on my knees and saying the third step prayer. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I am being a sober and sane person right now. And when I get up off my knees, everything changes. And I really don't know why, but it works. And this works. Um, thank you.